0: are listening to the bat flip podcast a baseball podcast from belly up sports and the belly up podcast network here are your hosts damien and matt welcome back everyone to the Batflip podcast my name is damien here's my co-host matt coming to you on may 11th of 2021 uh gonna do a, a couple weeks wrap up here as we missed last week's episode to me doing some uh having some internet issues and uh had a Pretty busy couple of weeks, but before we jump into all of that, how you doing, Matt?
1: doing pretty good, uh, just uh, hanging out, and um, not too much going on. I actually closed on my house uh, last week. I bought a, bought a townhouse here in Birmingham, and uh, that's been pretty cool, so I'm going to be real busy f- f- from that, but uh, we're, uh we're on, everything's going well here. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing all right now that we uh, I hope we got these internet issues fixed. I mean, I don't They can't give me a clear answer if they fixed it or not, so we're just hoping that nothing messes up during this recording but uh before we jump into to all this major league stuff i know you had an interesting uh minor league game you went to this week
1: yeah um so last weekend i you know the the minor league started what last tuesday i believe yeah. um and last week was the first uh the the Birmingham Barons the local double a affiliate of the white Sox, they're their local team here where i'm from and uh so you know we go to i go to games with friends all the time and we went on Thursday. It's the first time I've been to a ballpark in almost two years. So I was really excited about that. Uh, anyways, on uh, Tuesday, when we went to the game, uh, it was a good game for a while. I mean, a, a couple good, good pitching matchup. The, uh, the Barons starter looked pretty good. His name was Zach McClure, I believe. Um, he's on their top 30, but he, he's not real high rated on there, he's, but he looked pretty good. Pretty big guy, you know, five strikeouts and a walk. But then speaking of walks, uh, something <laughs> crazy happened. Um, so, it was kind of a bad weather game. Like it wasn't terrible weather, but it was kind of windy and there it was, it wasn't raining, but it was real damp and drizzly. It was a little cold for this time of year. It wasn't cold. It's like 65 or 60. So for this time of year, it's a little chilly here in Birmingham. You know, we're usually up in the upper seventies this time of year. And he, uh, the, the Barons started to have issues and uh, they actually walked in one inning. They walked 13 guys and they hit a guy with a pitch uh, so that was very interesting, the, the, they were playing the Biloxi Shuckers from um, who are the Brewers double A affiliate and the, the Brewer they, and the, the Shuckers, I got to enunciate that well, but yeah. um, they, uh, they actually uh, scored 12 runs in the inning on one hit and it was a <laughs> single. It wasn't even like a, it wasn't even like a, it was a grand slam or something. I mean, even, even then it would have been bad, but it was a single so uh that was a pretty interesting game <laughs> um yeah but uh the funny thing too is that the barons came back the next inning and scored like five runs they hit a couple home runs uh vicar Adelfo, who's one of the top 10 prospects for the white Sox, hit a home run so uh he was an interesting guy to watch got a lot of power uh but it was, it was it was it was fun it was such a good experience to be back in the ballpark for the first time in almost two years and i'm planning on going to a couple major league games here sometime soon so uh very exciting uh, to, to have fans back in ballparks. In fact, the, this is the first weekend that we've had full crowds other than just that one game on opening day for uh, the Rangers as the Braves had their have opened to full capacity now. So um, they had sellout crowds on Friday and Saturday night of close to 40,000. So uh, really fun stuff. But uh, yeah, interesting game. That's, that's no doubt. I don't think I've ever seen 13 walks in an inning before
0: yeah when you came back Thursday night and got on and uh, while we were playing the show and told me that i it blew my mind but you know speaking of the uh the uh capacity crowd so l a is so weird that they're gonna get ready to open it to where they can go up to sixty seven percent capacity right but due still to the like six foot guidelines that you have to be in, the Dodgers can't sell any more tickets then they already sell at 33 percent capacity because they have to keep the six foot distance between the pods
1: so yeah so
0: that makes I, no sense
1: <laughs> yeah but i don't
0: i don't know I, anyways I, it, it's turning around more vaccines are getting pushed out more teams are opening up to 100 percent. so hopefully by the middle of this summer we'll have 100 percent everywhere so
1: yeah i think it'll gradually happen to you know you'll see one team start it and then uh, you know, I, I would imagine probably the Texas teams, the Rangers already had one game like that, so I, I imagine they'll end up bumping up back up to full capacity soon. The Astros probably, um, and you'll see the big, the big cities and the, um, you know, and, and different markets probably get get bumped up, you know, later in the year, like LA teams, the New York teams, Chicago teams. You'll probably see them later on, but. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's good to see fans in the stands. So that's, that's no doubt.
0: Well, let's go ahead and jump into our, uh, our wrap up. We're just going to do kind of our, our standard episode this week. No special kind of conversations happening, but starting with the American League East, Boston's leading this division still 22 and 14. Um, what have they been? I had the wrong one up. They have been 6-4 and four over their last 10. Uh, the Yankees have kind of made their push kind of back up to where they're now three games back of Boston. They've been 7-3. and three. Um, Main thing with this division that we had happen this week, though, is John Means from the Baltimore Orioles threw a no-hitter.
1: Yeah, that was very entertaining. John Means is a guy who had a really good year, year before last. It wasn't really like a, a an elite pitching season, but for the team he was on, he was their best pitcher. He was actually their representative in the All-Star game. So uh, he has been an all-star before, although it was more of the fact that he was the best player on a horrible team more so than the fact that he was like a super all-star worthy pitcher then. But this year he's been legitimately all-star worthy and uh, he capped it off with a fantastic game. It might've been the best pitch game I've ever seen. Uh, Cause the only base runner he allowed was on a drop third strike. So you know, it was basically a perfect game. It won't go in the record books as that, but he didn't give up any runners himself, no hard hit balls at people that ended up being errors, no walks, no hit by pitches, which we've seen so many times this year, uh, ruin perfect games, or I think twice. And uh, so it was really cool to see that. And uh, he, you know, he's been a guy who's been on fire to start the season on the mound. And I think he's pitching tonight against the Mets. So I don't know how he's doing tonight, but so far this year, it's been a... Very, very good breakout season for uh, for John Means.
0: Yeah, last time I checked on Means, he had gone six scoreless um, tonight against the Mets at least. But um, man, I had a thought and I totally lost it on the whole John Means thing. Uh, Toronto Means
1: pitched pitched six shutout out innings, the the Orioles are up two to one.
0: Yeah, the when I think when he left, it was one zero. Yep. but uh toronto's been also dealing with some injuries in this you know they we've talked about kirby yates being out for the year uh, their big prize free agent signing had been um george springer well it missed the beginning of the season came back and then i think it was like three or four games got hurt and he went back on the il again um and then a little bit of tampa bay Rays news they uh designated yoshi susugo today for assignment so
1: yeah so uh the uh, injuries for the Blue Jays is, is a problem. Springer is, is a really good player. He's been, he's played good when he's played this year too, so that that stinks. Then Yoshi Sutsugo, um, you know, that was kind of kind of expected at some point. I mean, he hadn't really produced to the level that he needed to to stay on that team, so unfortunate. But
0: yeah, I was I was really hoping when he came over that he was going to be. He was supposed to be one of the most feared power hitters, and that just never really translated over. So.
1: Yeah, it's it's really random how that how that works with the translating over because some guys seem to do it effortlessly and some guys seem to really struggle. And I know it, it seems to me at at the current stage that pitchers translate over better than hitters do. Uh, you know, from from the from J- Japan at least, and
0: and that's really weird considering that they pitch only one day a week over there. They have a smaller baseball. And you would think that it would be harder for them to transfer over rather than just maybe using a different kind of a bat or something. Yeah. Uh, for hitters, but obviously hitters are facing more velocity over here and, and more breaking style pitches rather than over yeah. there. Yeah.
1: And and one other thing that maybe maybe affects that too is that, you know, a lot of the Japanese pitchers are known for having that big leg kick and that hanging and you know, they hang it up for a while and they mm-hmm. have a really artistic windup. And uh, so that's a big emphasis in the, in the Japanese league. And you come over to the U S and you're getting quick, basically quick pitched compared to that. It, it throws your timing off. Cause you know, these guys are used to sitting there waiting, wait waiting. And then, you know, it, it, you start having guys basically throwing off a slide step in their stretch. And it's, it's a lot different, but um, you know, very interesting, unfortunate that he wasn't able to make it, but you know, we've, we've had some other success stories come out of Japan in the last few years. So, um, you know, Definitely a definitely another pipeline to the majors. Yeah,
0: Let's translate over to the AL Central now. The Chicago White Sox have now taken the lead of this division, albeit by a half a game, but they're 19-13, and 7-3 uh, over their last 10. Uh, but they did lose another big piece of their lineup, and that is Luis Robert uh, tore his hip flexor running to first base, and it looks like he's going to be out until late August at best. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Uh, Luis Robert is a guy who he 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 affects the game in a lot of different ways. Um, You know, he hasn't quite been the guy that we were expecting to see at the plate so far. Uh, in his career he's been good but you know he's hit for a lot of power he shows off the tools but his defense has been really good too and he's got a good arm and he's a good base runner he does a little bit of everything and you know obviously with some experience you know you would expect that his bat would continue to start playing up more and more as he eliminates some of the swing and miss in his game but he's a uh, he's a really good uh you know he's a really good player and he hate to lose them that they're gonna miss two of their outfielders for an extended period now it's Eloy Jimenez has been out and, now you've got Luis Robert being out, so um, that's that's really a that's really tough.
0: Yeah, Cleveland's right behind them at 19 and 14. In this division, like I said, a half game back. They've been eight and two over their last 10, playing some really fantastic baseball. Um, Kansas City, the Royals, they've kind of fallen back down to earth. Last time we recorded, they were top of this division. Well, they've been on at least over their last 10 a one and nine skid, down to 16 and 17, three and a half games back. Minnesota really hasn't turned around anything. They are five and five over their last ten, twelve and twenty overall, and they also lost Byron Buxton to the IL again.
1: Yeah, it, it, the Twins is, are a mess. I mean, they just don't have much going for them right now. They're bad defensively, um, you know, especially without Buxton out there because he's, you know, really they're he, Buxton and Simmons are their two good defensive players, and around the horn they're just not that good elsewhere. I mean. They've struggled at second base, whether it's Polanco or Arias. Uh, they've they struggled at – Josh Donaldson's been in and out of the lineup, and he's typically a good defender, but he's also aging. And then in the outfield, I mean, Kepler and, you know, uh, it's just not – it hadn't been, hadn't been the right of the year for the Twins, and their bullpen struggled at times. Their starting rotation struggled. Kenta Maeda hadn't been, you know, the guy that he was last year it's, it's been a mess for them. There's still time to turn it around, but I think I read something yesterday where they would have to play 600 ball the rest of the season, just to make make it to 90 wins, which you would expect to need to make it to 90 wins to beat the white Sox. So uh, that's, that's going to be really a a tough hill to climb. So uh, I, I really am worried about the twins in that division.
0: Yeah. And they're both a team that we both predicted to, you know, make the playoffs this year. You predicted them to finish second in the division. I predicted them to win the division. So it be seven games back of the division lead right now already. Like you said, having to play 600 baseball just to be able to make 90 wins. that It's not looking good for them at all. But yeah. we'll jump over to the AL West now, where it's kind of had a, a lot of big news in the AL West happening this week. Oakland's leading this division at 21 and 15. Um, but the big news coming out of Oakland is that they're possibly looking to have to relocate if the city denies the uh, to help them build the new ballpark.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's something that's been rumored for a while is that they might look at, look elsewhere if, um, you know, if, if the city doesn't help them. And I mean, Oakland needs a ballpark bad. I mean, they're playing at the Coliseum. It was one of those back in the seventies and, and early eighties, a lot of places were trying to build these mixed use stadiums where you could have a NFL team and a major league baseball team. Um, and you know, any kind of other events that you might have, whether it's, you know, a big soccer game or, you know, a, a something like the olympics or something in in any stadiums and that was a big that was a big move then you had like the the stadium in atlanta fulton county stadium you had the stadium in uh the river the on the river in um three river stadium up in i think that was Mm -hmm. in i I mean uh cincinnati uh you you had several of those the astrodome is another example but, uh, you know, that's obviously not the wave right now. And the Oakland still has one, and it's aging, and nobody likes it, and the sight lines of the stadium are not good. I don't know what kind of part of town it's in, but, um, you know, that that's, a, that's a, a big problem for some aging stadiums. I don't really know too much about that. But the th- good news for Oakland is that they do have a proposal on the table for a new stadium there in that it would be like a – kind of like how the Braves did theirs with kind of a mixed-use uh, – district in the city I believe you said Oakland's was going to be on the water right like on the bay
0: yeah it's supposed to be right near the bay I think they said it's supposed to have like 3,000 affordable housing and it's supposed to have a new hotel um, office space um, rental properties all kinds of stuff and then like you said be a mixed-use thing to where they can have concerts and all kinds of other stuff there so
1: so yeah it would be a, a real cool like district for their town and uh, that the uh, the A's were willing to pony up some money to to put their new stadium there, and the and the A's are a team that I think desperately needs that money. I I I, th- I think they're a team that the ownership isn't isn't that, you know, stingy, but they're just don't have enough money in general <laughs> to, to fund a, to fund extra on a major league team, and it's kind of a a bad vicious cycle because you know they're also not having enough fans come out to their games there to really have, to 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 fund them, so I mean, every year you're cutting more salary. It's kind of like the same thing with the Rays. Every year you cut more salary, and then people aren't going to want to watch because they're not able to watch a good team. And of course, Oakland's still been pretty good, but you know, it's just one of those things where it's going to be. It's tough to. It's tough for. I I know from experience, it's tough to watch a team year after year, where every time you get a good player, it seems like they go sign elsewhere. So. Uh, even if your team does kind of stay good, I think a lot, of, especially a lot of casual fans, like that continuity. They like having that 20 year guy that stays on your team. You know, the
0: right. the
1: Mariano Rivera type, or or Derek Jeter, or the Chipper Jones, or you know, someone like that. That you know, I, I think that's a big deal for them. So. Um, yeah,
0: and the and the proposal that Oakland has out there, it it's for a 12 billion dollar total, you know, total cost for the whole thing, and. The owners basically said that he's willing to commit one billion dollars to the stadium alone, just, just to the to help build the stadium, and then he's asking for the the city and everything to help with the rest of it, you know, with the housings, with all the other stuff, because the city's gonna get revenue from that as well. Um, and it just seems that they're at odds because the city doesn't want to really bulk up all of that, so it's definitely something that we're going to keep watching. You know, there was a, a time where it was thought that they could do a split season between Oakland and Montreal, or maybe that was Tampa Bay that was doing it. That, that was, I think,
1: that was Tampa. It Bay might have been that Tampa was Bay about doing that. Yeah. But
0: th- that's been an option that people have talked about, even for you know, like we talked about the Tampa Bay Rays. So who knows what's really going to happen here? I think this is just kind of the one of the media kind of foots and trying to play strong arm through the media. So. It's definitely gonna be something that we're gonna be watching out for because I believe they said the vote's gonna be in the next month or so. So yeah, we should have a uh, an idea.
1: Sure.
0: But uh, in this division, we have the Oakland or Oakland. We have Houston at eighteen and seventeen. Seattle's tied with them as well. The same thing, two and a half back. Big news out of Seattle is that it seems like they're gonna be calling up the number four overall prospect in baseball, Jared Kelenic, on Thursday.
1: Yeah, Jared Killinex, a, a really good looking prospect, got a sweet lefty swing, probably the best swing in the minor leagues right now. And, um, you know, just smooth wise. And, and you know, it, it it's a really good he's a really good looking guy. He, he doesn't you know, he's a, he, he's going to play to adequate defense in the corner outfield. Um, but he's a guy who I mean, is he's one of the guys who you expect him to come up and, you know, be a, an all-star caliber player at some point in this you know the next few years. He might not do it immediately. He might he might not take the Juan Soto track to immediately just take off in the majors, but he might take the Vlad Jr. track where he you know needs to figure things out for a year or two and then he's on the on the path to stardom. So, but he's a, he's a guy who I, I really like Jared Kellenick. The Baroners need him you know right now. They've struggled some lately. They had led the division for a while and they're a uh, they're, they've got a they've got a pretty they've got a pretty neat little young team. I mean, you got J.P. Crawford at short's played well in his time with the Mariners. Kyle Lewis was last year's Rookie of the Year. Uh, you still got Mitch Hanniger out here out there who's played pretty well this year. Um, you know, you got a couple veteran guys like Kyle Seeger playing third. You see, he's been good. So you've got you've got a good balance there right now, and uh, I think uh, you know them being the 18 and 17 might be a little bit of, Hey, let's call Kelinek up and see if he kills it. Like, you know, like a Soto did when he first came up or something and maybe make some noise in this, the weak division, or, you know, at least in a worst case scenario, he gets a lot of big league experience this year. So I like the idea from the Mariners. I think it's, and I think it's the right time for it. So.
0: Absolutely. Well, a team that we were very high on begin the season. They're at the bottom of this division right now, and that's the Los Angeles angels. They're 16 and 18, four games back of the division. Um, They've missed Anthony Rendon for a good chunk of the year so far. He made a return from the I.L., and I believe it was only a couple days after he did. He fouled the ball directly off his knee um, and had to come out of the game, was missed some time, and then they decided just to put him on the I.L. Again, looks like he should return on Friday, though. That is his first day he's eligible, and all signs point to him being able to return at that point. Uh, But the other big part of Angels news is that they designated for assignment Albert Pujols.
1: Yeah, and uh, first on the, the Rendon thing, one of the issues the Angels have had this year has been the they've been the worst defensive team in the majors. And, you know, you expect them to be a lot better because Anthony Rendon's a really good defensive third baseman. So when he comes back, you expect him and Iglesias on the left side of the infield to, to do really well. Fletcher's usually a pretty good defensive player. Um, you know, and then an outfield player, that's, I think the real problem is more in the outfield for them defensively. Uh, Trout is obviously the best player in baseball, but he's not, he's a good defender in center, but he's not like a Buxton or that level of defender. Uh, And then in left, I mean, Justin Upton's a, like a, I mean, he's a statue out there. So (laughs) it's like, he's, he's rough in the outfield and, Uh, you know, and then you look at right, you're missing Dexter Fowler. You've got, you've been throwing different guys out there. So interesting. Um, I like the idea of, um, I like the idea of, uh, Rendon coming back and helping that team a lot. I mean, he's an MVP caliber player when he's fully healthy and that's, that's gonna be good for him. So.
0: Absolutely, and something else to watch out for. It just flashed across my phone, but maybe they did this a little bit more. They actually put Shohei Otani out in right field after he was done pitching tonight, so maybe that's a, a little idea that they yeah. do a little bit more.
1: Yeah, so I think what they've been doing with Otani is and he, they forego the DH when yeah. he pitches if, he, if he's going to hit, so they can throw him out in right field uh, so they keep his bat in the lineup mm-hmm. in, in those games. So I don't think he's a long-term... Right fielder, mainly because they don't want him throwing on his off days, you know, having to throw to the bases. But, um, but it's interesting having him play out there, and I, you know, I, hey, I, I'd welcome it. I welcome you know pitchers hitting and and stuff I I obviously you know I've I've got I've stated my opinions here about the universal DH and how I think it's probably a good thing and and everything but I think it's fun to see more versatile players I like it a lot so
0: dude I I mean Shohei Otani's a must-watch on the mound and on the plate I mean he would immediately become a must-watch fielding as well oh yeah like imagine him going back and robbing a home run or making some diving catch like that would be insane
1: yeah but
0: well, that's pretty much our wrap up for the AL. So let's jump over to the NL East now, where you got the New York Mets leading the, that division at 16 and 13, been seven and three over their last ten, got a one game lead over Philadelphia, who's 18 and 17, and Atlanta's right there at 17 and 17, just a game and a half back.
1: Yeah, uh, close division here. Of course, the Mets got really bad news the other day, and then better news. So Jacob DeGrom got pulled from his start the other day with. Uh, lat tightness um and he got an mri so that was the really really bad news but the good news is that the mri came back clean they did put him on the il but i don't expect him to miss a super long amount of time and uh i mean he's been an mvp level pitcher so far this year so he's he's been really good and uh hopefully he doesn't miss too much time but of course those lat injuries and you know those side injuries for for guys like for, for guys like for pitchers especially ones that throw so hard like Degrom you know those are never a good thing and they can linger so hopefully hopefully he's back full strength because it's good for the game when he's really good uh, but um but yeah the Mets are leading it Lindor's been really really rough this year he's but he started to swing a little bit better this week i think everyone kind of expects him to be better than he's been so far um any other news uh the Braves making a couple signings
0: Yeah, so the Braves signed Shane Green to a one-year, $1.5 million deal. It has a prorated salary or something, so I think it ends up being like $1.1 after it's all said and done. Um, And Then they made a couple couple minor league deals. They re-signed Tyler Flowers to a minor league deal, which is kind of interesting. We were talking beforehand. They had brought him on as like a catching coach or something. Um, And then their main catcher, Travis Darnot, injured his thumb. is going to miss quite a bit of time. So they were down to like Alex Jackson, um, William...
1: Alex but, Jackson's out, too. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's, he's oh. on the IL with hamstring injury. So well, they're down go. to William Contreras and Jeff Mathis.
0: So at that point, then they signed Tyler Flowers, who had been on that team. I think he was on there last year, too, wasn't he? Uh, Yes, he was. Yeah, so he had been there for the past couple of years. They re-signed him to a, to a minor league deal, let him go and uh, get some minor league A.B.s and potentially call him up pretty soon. Um, and then they signed Tanner Roark um, to a minor league deal as well.
1: Yeah, so the the big deal here is Shane Green. The Braves have really struggled uh, with with their right-handed pitching depth in the bullpen. They, they've really had nobody there. I mean, Luke Jackson's done an okay job filling in. His peripherals are look horrible, but he had given up a lot of runs. But, I mean, other than him, they've had a revolving door there. Jacob Webb's pitched some. Nate Jones pitched some. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. pitched some. Jay Jones and Edwards have both been DFA'd since. Josh Tomlin's pitched some in higher leverage situations, which I think everyone would agree isn't the role that, you know, he would really be good at. And, uh, you know, I, I I like the idea of potentially, um, I like the idea of potentially, um, you know, putting Shane Green in there, and then Chris Martin's likely to come back probably Thursday, so. um, that's a that's a good sign too. They need him. They need him healthy. So the Braves might get two good right-handed relievers, you know, in the next two or three days uh, back. And of course, Shane Green will probably be a week or two before he's ready. And then Tyler Flowers. They needed another backup catcher. I think William Contreras is going to be the starter, but uh, you know, they need uh they need some more. They need somebody else for depth reasons because Jeff Mathis is Jeff Mathis, and uh <laughs> and then uh Tanner Roark. I mean, he just You know, maybe maybe rotation depth. You might be looking at a guy who can who can, uh, you know, maybe pitch out of the bullpen or something. I I don't know. I mean, he's he's a veteran pitcher that's been around a lot that, you know, you might as well grab. He's he's basically free. So
0: he'll be an nanny's eater pretty much. So if they if they do need that to come up a little news on Miami, Sixto Sanchez is getting closer to a return. Um, He's been throwing up to 120 feet. Um, and they're hoping that he gets back on the mound in the next week or two and that he can make some sort of return to the big league club sometime in june um so little little side note for the marlins
1: yeah that's uh that's good news to the marlins they've their pitching staff's been sneaky good i mean they worked pretty good last year we've talked about their staff a lot but pablo lopez is good and sandy alcantara has looked like a you know the guy that we're expecting him to be which is really really good and then they've actually had a breakout from trevor rogers who's another uh guy lefty that throws real hard and, and i like trevor rogers a lot so bringing back six though and if he's healthy and he looks like a the guy who he was last year and, and has been in his career so far uh look out for the look out for the marlins pitching rotation they could be a pesky team even though they they still need a lot of help in that lineup
0: Absolutely. Well, let's jump over to the NL Central now where we got the uh the St. Louis Cardinals kind of taking control of this division at 21 and 14. They went eight and two over their last 10 behind a resurgent Nolan Arenado, who's been, I mean, over the past 14 days, Arenado's batted 347 with a 407 on base and a 185 WRC plus.
1: Yeah, the the Cardinals, uh, I, I still worry about their pitching going forward, but I mean, anytime you go out there and you've got a couple of really big boppers in that lineup and Arnauto Goldschmidt, who really hasn't done that well, but he's still a good player. Um, and then you add in uh Dylan Carlson's been really good this year. And then, but when you start getting eight and a third inning outings from 39 year old Adam Wainwright, <laughs> um, you know, it's, you know, that's a good sign. So, uh, you know, the Cardinals looking pretty good. I, I still like, um, I, I don't know who I like in that division, honestly, I guess the Cardinals, uh, you know, the Brewers lineup, they've got pretty much a worst case scenario out of everybody. Yelich isn't healthy and Keston is in the minor leagues and their best hitter right now is probably. Visayel Garcia. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Although they they still have that great pitching and then, you know, the reds, I guess the reds are still a threat, but um, it's interesting. The pirates aren't much of a threat.
0: Well, we didn't even mention that Corbin Burns went on the IL.
1: Yeah. Corbin Burns has been on the IL. He, He should be back pretty soon though. Right. I believe so. I haven't
0: seen any recent news on him as well, but I I mean, I still think maybe the favorite might be the Reds. I mean, Luis Castillo has looked terrible still. Yeah. Missed Sonny Gray for a little bit, but he's back now. You know, I mean, Amir Garrett had his dust up. Nick Castellanos has looked really well. I mean, I think it might just be a little bit of bad luck for them at times, but I mean, this division is going to be so close. Who really can you call the favorites?
1: Yeah, and, and it's you know it, it's a big jumbled mess. I mean, yeah. the Cubs have uh, yeah, they've the got their they've got their that. good and their bad. <laughs> but the, uh, this division is just a jumbled mess.
0: Yeah, that is that is perfectly um, perfectly said. One thing the Cincinnati Reds did have going for them though this week was that Wade Miley threw a no hitter um, once again against the Cleveland Indians. Uh, this one wasn't ruined by a hit by a pitch or a dropped third strike or anything. He did walk a batter to. Th- to you know keep him from not having a perfect game he did strike out eight batters though
1: yep very impressive and good for wade miley um guy who's been around a long time and you know hadn't ever been an ace or anything but he's made a good career out of you know being an innings eater and pitching as a number probably number four in your in rotations for and he's like he's been around for 10 years it seems like
0: yeah all those years in arizona and then he went to houston and now cincinnati yep
1: so good stuff from him
0: We'll jump over to the NL West and head uh, kind of wrap this division breakdown going up. And that's the San Francisco Giants are leading this division at 22 and 14, 6 and 4 over their last 10. Um, Two and a half games back. The Padres at 19 and 16, two and a half, or I already said two and a half back. They've been 6 and 4 over their last 10 as well. Um, I think the really big shock here, though, is that the Dodgers, they're down to 18 and 17. They're 2 and 8 over their last 10, and they're actually 5 and 15 over their last 20.
1: Yeah, it's been a struggle for for the Dodgers recently, and, uh, you know, you'll probably be able to elaborate on it a little bit more. But it, it seems to me like people need to calm down a little bit about the Dodgers all these people freaking out about them. Uh, I mean, they were never going to win 140 games. And I mean, obviously, the fact that they're not going to win is due to Bob Nightingale tweeting that, not necessarily <laughs> that they're not good enough. Oh, but no, no team. <laughs> No, no team is going to win 140 games. I mean, that's just in this day and age, it's not going to happen. And um, I mean, they've got injuries. They, they, they're missing their, you know, MVP candidate from year before last in, in Cody Bellinger. I mean, he, they're, they're a really, really, really good, good team. McMookie Bats has had some bad luck on balls and play. They, they've lost a lot of extra innings games, which are kind of Mickey Mouse wins because of the, because of the new rules and, I mean, it's one of those things where they're not perfectly right. That they, they their bullpens been a little bit leaky, especially once you get past you know their first couple guys. And even they have not been you know necessarily dominant. They've been good, but you know they, they haven't been dominant. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't really worry too much about them. But there is one big injury with the Dodgers that that is going to be a problem for them.
0: Yeah, and that that injury, which I'll kind of talk about everything you were talking about. Um, Dustin May, he was having a really breakout season this year, had kind of learned how to throw a curveball a different way. The big thing with Dustin May had always been that he really didn't have an out pitch. He had his fastball, which he throws 100. He had a two-seam, which he throws right around 100. And he had a a decent breaking ball. It was kind of a a slurve, not really a slider, but not really a curve. Um, He kind of reworked his whole curveball this year to be more of a a vertical curveball instead of a horizontal one. And he ended up hurting his arm in a series against Milwaukee a couple weeks ago and has to have Tommy John surgery. So he's going to be out for all of this season and probably most of next season as well. And that's a big blow because the Dodgers are already missing David Price and Tony Gonsolin, who would be their two backup starters. They're out on the IL already with injuries. Um, They were in the bullpen and then that kind of leads to the bullpen struggles that Dark Gratterall has been out. Joe Kelly just came back from his injury. Um, Corey Canable hurt his arm. He's going to be out for, I think they're saying, maybe even until the playoffs, possibly. So a lot of injuries on that front, um, as well as the offensive side. Bellinger's been out for most of the season because of that hairline fracture. Guys like Gavin Lux and A.J. Pollock have been in and out of the lineup at times. Mookie's been dealing with back injuries and getting hit on a forearm so he's been dealing with that and then overall it's just they haven't really been putting together good at bats Um, they just go to the plate and like somebody said it just looks like they're asleep at the plate it it just looks like they have no motivation to to make any hard contact or, or anything and obviously you know they're trying but they have these little outbursts like one time they scored 16 runs and then I think over their next it was like five games or something. They scored eleven combined, and then they scored fourteen on Saturday, and then they only put up one on Sunday. So it's just that the offense is really inconsistent. I mean, you don't expect Mookie Betts to hit two fifty all year. You don't expect Corey Seager to hit two forty something all year. You know, once you get Bellinger back, he should get into a groove. Um, Teams go through this. I mean, if you look at it, like you said, that the Dodgers are one in six in extra inning games. They're four and ten in one run games. And yet they still have a plus 32 run differential. So, I mean, I, I did say with those blow up games, but the, the run differential is usually a good way to show if teams really good or not. Um, and still a plus 32. They're going to turn around and they're not going to be third in this division. It, it's just the, the the little lull to start this season. And they'll, they'll turn around. They'll be fine.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. But uh, looking at you know where the Dodgers have struggled, um, there's been a surprise team that's leading this division and has looked really good. I, I think they might legitimately be good, Damian, and that's the uh, San Francisco Giants. Um, and I think you know a lot of people are going to talk <laughs> a lot of people are going to talk about the the Giants and you know the resurgence of Buster Posey and some of the guys in their lineup. But I want to talk about their pitching for a minute. The Giants have rework their pitching staff in a way that I don't know if I've seen a team have this much success with bringing guys in with peripherals that are absolutely killing it all at one time. You know, Everyone's talked about for the last six, seven years, Kevin Gossman breaking out. I mean, he, he was a top prospect. Everyone talked about how good his stuff was with the Orioles then he got traded to the Braves people were saying okay he got out of the Orioles system they've really struggled developing pitchers maybe the Braves will get him going and he didn't make it with the Braves i think he got DFA with front of the Braves and then he got picked up by the Reds and they pitched him out of bullpen in the rotation the Reds have had a great a great look at developing pitchers recently i mean they've look at look at how Sonny Gray turned around when he got there look at how you know Trevor Bauer ticked up when he got there even though he was already good um, the 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 Reds have had such a such success with that, but Kevin Gossman didn't really take up there. And then finally last year he started to show signs, and this year he's been a really good pitcher. Um, but uh, it's not just Kevin Gossman he, in his 197 ERA. Anthony Disclafani's been really good. He's got a a 2.40 ERA and a 3.3 FIP. Uh, Alex Wood has been extremely good, getting the ball on the ground a ton. Um, uh, you know, not walking a lot of guys, his strikeouts have ticked up. He's, he's been really good at 284 or a, a 180 ERA and a 294 FIP for him. Johnny Cueto hasn't pitched a ton of games, but he's been pretty good. A 352 ERA, a 315 FIP, his strikeouts are good. He doesn't, he's not walking guys. It, it's been one of those things where it seems like this whole rotation is kind of figuring it out at all at the same time. And that, and that's fantastic news for them. Um, you know, to go along with the fact that their bull, i mean that their uh, lineups had—you know—the resurgence of Buster Posey and good play for Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, and you know Longoria has played well. I mean, they've had a lot of a lot of good things happen with this team so far.
0: No, absolutely, and you, you, I kind of want to make this little thing. You were talking about, you know, with the Reds know how to develop some pitching. Well, if you look at this Giants pitching staff, they have one, two, three, four, five, six former Cincinnati Reds on their pitching staff right now. Kevin Gosman, Anthony DiSclafani, Alex Wood, Johnny Cueto, Matt Whistler, and Wandy Peralta. Now, Wandy Peralta and, and Matt Whistler aren't the greatest, but they, like we were saying, the Reds know how to develop pitching. That that's five of them, and four their top four starters, and effectively have been former Reds. A big thing I think with the with the Giants' rotation, at least, is that. The ballpark they play in playing in san francisco is a major major deal for them if you look at their home and road splits they're 14 and 4 at home and 8 and 10 on the road so their pitchers are really getting it done on at home especially you know being able to that ballpark's so big and especially early in the year when it's a little cooler coming off the, uh, the cove the ball won't travel as well um, so it, it plays right into their strengths of what they want to do and if you can play that style of baseball, they'll probably come down to earth a little bit. I don't I don't think you'll be fourteen and four, you know, ten games over five hundred at home most of the season. They might be. Um and you play close to five hundred baseball on the road, I mean that's what every team tries to strive for. So I mean they're really getting it done there and that that, that ballpark really is aiding what their their pitchers are able to do right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. And um, I was going to mention that, too. This The, the ballpark helps. But even so, I mean, it, you know, you look at the strikeout and walk ratios. They're not walking guys in, in their starting no. rotation. And that, that's a big deal. So uh, we'll see what happens with the with the Giants, how long they are able to keep this up. One other thing to point out with them is the fact that the, they do have some guys in that rotation who have been fairly injury prone, like Alex Wood. He's got that funky delivery. He's been injury prone in his career. Uh Johnny Cueto, last few years, has battled injuries several times. So, uh, you know, hopefully they keep, stay healthy and are able to keep it going to a certain level, but uh, we'll see. So,
0: Absolutely. And uh, I hope the Giants don't keep this up, and I hope they finish bottom of the division as a <laughs> Dodgers <doctor> fan. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Giants fans. Well, not really. <laughs> Anyways, so let's jump over to our players of the week. Um, this, this week's going to be a little bit different. We're going to basically combine – um, the stats from the past two weeks and pick a pitcher and a hitter each that way. Um, so instead of last seven days, it'll be last 14 days that we picked um, these players from uh, my pitcher of the week. I'm going to go with is John means um, kind of going off the no hitter thing, but he's been really good this year in his two starts um, over these past 14 days. Um, not including tonight. He's thrown 16 innings has an 11.8 uh, walk or strikeout per nine, a o fifty six walks per nine, a one thirteen ERA, two twenty nine FIP, and a one ninety or and a one ninety which is a point six WAR.
1: Yeah he he's been <laughs> he's been terrific this year, and obviously talked about the no hitter, and he's he's just been he's having a true breakout. Um, but my pitcher I wanted to talk about is uh, Carlos Rodon. Um, we've had him as our pitcher of the week once already. And here he is again. Um, uh, this guy, uh, you know, if you look at his numbers from the past week, he has, been or the past two weeks, that is, he has been, uh, we'll just call it good. Um, <laughs> he, he's had a uh, 15 strikeouts per nine 0. 0.75 walks per nine. And, and when he has gotten in trouble this year, it's been via the walk and, That's not had been a problem his last two weeks. Um, A .75 ERA and his FIP has been .02, not not .20, which is like an insanely good FIP. It's .02. So Carlos Rodon, and this is this is stretching on to what we're we're in the middle of May. I mean this is this is a month and a half where he's just spectacular. He changed some things up with his mechanics. He he changed some of his pitches up. I mean, the guy looks like the, the you know an ace right now. He he looks so good, and you know, I think um you know I don't know he's not gonna keep this pace up, but I I think he's I think he's a, he's got onto something that might be pretty sustainable you know for for a while at least. It's a really good pitcher, so uh great great job by him reworking himself after all those injuries and um you know good with good for the White Sox for bringing him back.
0: Yeah, it's so good to see Carlos Rodon. Pitching like this, he's always been a guy that I really rooted for, um, even though he might not have been the greatest. But it's really good to see him, you know, having his breakout finally and, and coming back to the White Sox, which were a team that they kind of were ready to let him go. Um, and then he kind of talked them into giving him one more shot. Um, wasn't really getting any other deals out there, and White Sox gave him a shot, and he's rewarding them, So good for Carlos Rodon. Uh, so, who do you got for your hitter of the week?
1: So my hitter of the week is going to be John uh, Carlos Stanton um he is seems to be at his Miami form right now uh he's hitting 447 uh with 500 on base and a 766 slugging over the last couple of weeks four homers and um you look at his statcast metrics and he i mean he's back to hitting the ball harder than any player in baseball and um, you know consistently and he's he's doing it without striking out quite as much as he has the last couple of years so um, you know he had a he's had a couple big hits he had a walk-off hit the other day on a single and I mean the guy's locked in right now and you know if he stays healthy it's going to be a big time help for the for the uh, for the New York Yankees so
0: yeah stands back to his MVP form looks like um, and kind of talking back to MVPs type form, my p- hitter of this week is Chris Bryant from the Chicago Cubs. Um, you know, Chris Bryant's been a hot topic on this this podcast about um, if he was going to get traded or not. And then kind of last year was a really down year dealing with some injuries. Looks like he's put all that behind him this year. Um, over the past two weeks, he is hitting 341 with a 438 on base, a 707 slugging with a 203. 203- WRC plus, he's got three homers, six RBIs, stolen base, ten runs scored. He's walking over fourteen percent of the time. Just strikeouts are still a little high, about twenty seven percent. But a four forty BABIP over the past two weeks. I mean, Chris Bryant looks to be back to I think it was twenty sixteen form of Chris Bryant, and I mean, he's one of the most fun players to watch at that time because he's a he could be a true five tool player when he's fully healthy.
1: Yeah, he he absolutely. You're 100 percent right on on Chris Bryant. He's a guy who, um, I'm glad he's healthy because he's that's something that has been missing the last couple of years, and you know he's he's needed it. But uh, I wanted to uh mention one more player, and you're gonna kill me for mentioning this guy, oh, but um, there <laughs> you
0: go.
1: So uh, Hoskar Inoa from the oh. Atlanta Braves oh. has been so good this year, um. And he, on the mound and at the plate, uh, he has a, uh, almost, this is this is season numbers, uh, but his last two weeks he's been about like this. A 982 strikeout per nine and two walks per nine, which his walks per nine he has never touched to. The best walks per nine season he had in the minor leagues over more than like 20 innings was, I believe, a four twelve in low A in 2018 when he was with the uh, Braves low A team. So this is a guy who, he, he seems to be, harnessing a little bit of his command in. Um, And uh, he's got a 223 ERA on the season, a 360 FIP and a 310 XFIP. He's he's actually been really unlucky on his fly balls. He's gotten a a high home run per fly ball rate, but um, that's all really good. It's a 0.7 war. Fantastic for a guy who you really didn't expect to be anything more than a swing man this year. And then you look at himself at the plate and in his last, in his last uh, three starts, he has six hits six rbis and two homers at the plate so uh and he's also hitting the ball hard like it's they hadn't been like cheapo hits or anything like he had a 430 foot grand slam against the against the uh, nationals the other other day and against the cubs he hit a he had a long home run to left and he's hitting the ball over 100 miles an hour exit velocity like every other swing it seems like he's had some loud outs too So um, pretty impressive from a pitcher that, you know, nobody's talked about him. Obviously, he's not Shohei Otani or anything like that, but uh, he had never had a hit in the big leagues in or in the minor leagues or the big leagues until this year. And he's to start the season. He's what, six for 15. So uh, pretty dang good numbers right there. And uh, he's actually put up a half a win above replacement at the plate. So, um pretty crazy that you add those together and uh you know, one point two war from a pitcher who you didn't expect to get anything from. We'll see if he can keep it going. He's he's been an all star caliber pitcher so far this year, which is more than I ever thought I'd say. So
0: Alright, that's enough huskar you know what <laughs> nah, it it's uh it's been fun listening to you when we're uh, when we're on playing the show and you got the Braves game on and you're like, Oh my god, Huskar, you know, he just hit a home run. It was a grand slam. Like it's, yeah. it's been funny listening to you talk about him and stuff. But yeah. uh give him his little recognition out here and uh glad he's doing well and that's the that's the last thing the Braves need is another really, really good pitcher.
1: Yeah.
0: That can hit at the plate, so.
1: Yeah, wait. What, what, what good pitchers are you talking about? Well, <laughs> oh, I think that
0: can hit. Well, I mean, you have Max Freed will be good. Charlie yeah. Morton's good. When you get Soroka back, he's good. Ian Anderson.
1: Yeah. Ian Anderson. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just. I'm just
0: kidding. But so. I mean, when you got a guy. Go- I mean, who's better, Shohei Otani or Huskar Yanoa? at the at the on
1: the mound right now I actually think I know it's better on the mound at the plate
0: oh, obviously otani right. but that's going to end it we're done here <laughs>
1: Lord, right that, now As I said right ended. now otani's yeah. stuff is better he otani's got more pitches he he can oh, he's going to be I think his longevity right now is better on the mound as he he can throw more than 2 pitches oh, well man. but um oh, you know otani's also walking like eight guys per nine or something so guys he's good. Am, i'm Go sorry
0: down. you had i'm sorry you have to listen to this guys i'm sorry (laughs) just now you guys can feel my pain a little bit Mm. but (laughs) i'm just kidding you should uh,
1: enjoy listening about huskari noah he's really good
0: absolutely this is uh this is a really fun episode it's a little light lighter than uh most of our episodes are usually more serious but had a little fun with this one joked around a little bit more it was was nice and fun so thank you guys for tuning into this episode thanks for dealing with us on that that off week and uh we'll hopefully they got everything fixed and we'll be more regular so
1: Yep, sounds good. I uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in, and um, hope you tune in again.
0: Yeah, we'll catch you guys next week.